As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Happy Friday, everybody. Hopefully you've shoveled yourself out from the snow across the tri-state area. We have a fun show lined up if you just want to stay in out of the snow, get yourself some hot cocoa going on this week. We have forced Dan Orlovsky to relive his 0-16 season with the Detroit Lions. He's going to join the show, of course. He'll also talk about Sam Darnold and uh, Trevor Lawrence as well. We're also filling out the Jets' wish list. Hanukkah ended last night. Christmas is coming up next week, um, so we will celebrate that with a Jets' wish list. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Please subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Give us a five-star review if you can do that as well. I was all set to talk about the fact that Connor was missing out on this fantastic West Coast vacation this year with the Jets playing Seattle and then L.A., but then it was cry. brought to my yeah brought to my attention, really not long before we started the podcast that we have some breaking news. I think an investigation is actually underway in in Connor's fish tank. Oh, uh, is what a- is what is going on there, Connor? For a second, I was like, dude, you're catching what breaking news? <laughs> I totally you, that was a good transition because you got me. I was like, uh, I'm totally getting caught with my pants down right now. What what happened in Jets World? Yeah, my freaking snail died. My snail <laughs> my snail inadvertently killed itself this was very upsetting and i've had like my my, the adventures of this fish tank that you see behind me are are quite quite amazing like the one time i told you guys about how i was cleaning it and i took one of the ornaments out and didn't realize that one of the shrimp that i have was in it so like i i looked on the ground i was like that's that's a funky looking leaf and then i looked down i was like oh my god that's not a leaf that's a shrimp and i went to go pick them up and what i didn't know is that shrimp jump didn't know that until I went to go pick it up and suddenly it starts leaping around. So today's latest adventure in uh, fish tank land is that I went and I looked at uh, I looked at my filter, the one filter on the right, and there was like very little water coming out of the filter. So it kind of looks like a wave that like the it sucks the water in, it filters it, and then it sends it back out. And it was like all kind of clean. So I was like, oh, there must just be like these leaves from the plants that are kind of like stuck to the filter sucker. And that's, I guess, got to clean it out. So I take the thing out, I'm rinsing it out, put it back in, nothing happens. I'm like, what the hell? All of a sudden I look, somehow a a snail crawled in the filter, down into the filter, then in the tube of the filter sucker, 
and got itself stuck and died. And it's just dead in there. And I was like, it honestly caused me to jump because when I pulled it, I was like, man, this filter, this is like a piece of, it's kind of heavier than I thought. And I looked down and I see the snail in there. And obviously like, I, I don't do dead well. Like I just, I don't, I don't, it's not my thing. I don't, I don't handle it well. I don't do it. Like, so like when Bree and I find bugs in the house, the bugs don't die. The bugs are caught and let outside. If there's a stink bug, the stink bug is caught and put outside. If there's a spider caught and put outside, I just don't kill things. So I'm looking, I was like, oh my God, I got to save it. So I'm like trying to stick like a paper clip in there to plug it out. It doesn't work. Eventually I had to like pound it on my hand to get the force to shoot the snail out. Cause he was like really jam packed in there. And unfortunately when I came out, he was all shriveled up on the inside and, and snail is no longer with us. So that was a, a very sad, sad beginning of my day is that my, uh, my snail's dead. My snail, one of my snails died. There's only three, three left now. I think there's only three, three snails left. Um, I'm not getting my monitor today either, which was supposed to be delivered. The snow delayed that. So that's a double, double whammy. Um, but yeah, very, very sad times in the Hughes household. We had a, uh, a snail death RIP. And just think you could have been, you could have spent the week driving down the West coast highway, right? From Gosh, Seattle to LA, <laughs> but instead it snowed. I yeah. don't know how much you got in New Jersey. We got about ten inches. Here oh, you did in the city, but uh, but you know, you your plan, your grand plan, which I think we talked to about in the off season when the schedule came out, was like you were going to stay out there. It was going to be great. Oh, um, the Jets didn't do that either, though. In in this current world, right? It's back and forth and back again. I mean, we've we haven't talked a ton about games leading into them this season for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. but it is an it's an extra layer of difficulty for this team this week as they try to avoid zero and fourteen. That it's straight back to the West Coast. Yeah, you uh, you weren't kidding, man. I mean, that is uh, definitely something that was a little upsetting. In that I uh, I I, 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 I here is the thing: is that I don't know how much fans realize, but. The future schedule of when opponents and what opponents the Jets are going to play are all available online. Like you go future opponents and then PSL and it shows you all of the road games that the Jets are going to play. And like so as reporters, I look at that all the time because that's where I'm going to be traveling each year. So like you can pick out, oh, this is going to be good road games. So I think I've said this. I joined the beat full time in 2016. I've had this season, Andy Vasquez, myself, Daryl Slater, when he was, we've had this season circled the whole time. And when I tell you that, like, I've been looking at seeing LA, LA, Seattle and being like, are the Jets going to stay on the West Coast for years, years to the point where last year, towards like the end of the season, Gase was over, like kind of BSing on the sideline. And I was like, so like next year, man, like you guys have those LA trips. Like if they're sandwiched, you're probably going to stay out there. Right. And he looked at me and was like, I'm not, ta- I'm not thinking about next year's LA schedule, Connor. And I was like, fuck, that's <laughs> like, like, damn it. Like, you're right. But like, it, like that's to, to know. And then of course, like this year was when uh, we were talking to him. I think, I don't, I don't know if it was a press conference or off the record, whatever he said, he goes, yeah, you know, we were supposed to be out there. We were, we were going to stay the extra week, which obviously if the Jets stay the extra week, the reporters go and stay an extra week. You got a week in sunny LA in the middle of December to play so much golf. Oh, just I'm going to cry now. I just, I want to cry already. It's going to be rough, but yeah, no, I, I think it is pretty wild. The, the whole, like you kind of mentioned it, the, the staying, the flying back and forth, because it's imagine that man, it's, it's, it's basically a six hour flight there, a six hour flight back then a six hour flight the West. You're talking about 18 hours on a plane. If my elementary multiplication is correct with six times three, 
You're talking about 18. Marissa, by the way, is running the numbers. I just saw her eyes go up in the top of her head. Like, it's probably wrong. I can so do that one in my check. head. I was a journalism major, but I think I could do six times three in my head. Uh, you were just making sure anything I said, she's like, I don't, Connor said six times three is 18. That, that's that's reason to get off the calculator. <laughs> we're going to have to check this one. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's. I mean, they they were going to be a little slow. I mean, that's that's something notable. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever spent 18 hours on a plane within seven days, but I got to imagine it's freaking miserable. Yeah, MLB playoffs. I've, I've done that sort of thing. Oof. It's pretty brutal. Um, yeah, so they'll get through it. All right, so we're going to get to Dan Orlovsky in a little bit. Um, he was awesome. We interviewed him earlier. We're going to play back that. Um, a lot of good stuff from him. Just great insight into this team and the future and the quarterbacks. Uh, but before we get to that, let's do the free agent wish list. And Connor, you have a story out on The Athletic right now where you break this down position by position. I thought we'd put a wrinkle into this and kind of mold it for the holidays in a different way. So when you think about holiday gifts, you have different categories, so we're gonna go by that. The first one, which always makes me crack up because I've never, I've never met anybody that's that's lived this experience, but you see it on television year after year, where you know mom heads out to the driveway Christmas morning and there's a brand new Mercedes <laughs> with a bow on it. I don't know where that happens, but I literally just that said this thing. to Brie last night. By the way, I said I want a car. <laughs> like this is literally right, a conversation like, we just had. Um. So that's that's one category, right? The Mercedes in the driveway category of free agents for the Jets. Then we'll go with the useful, which is the gifts that, you know, they're no fun, but it's like, oh, you know what? That's going to be super helpful. Then we have fun toys and stocking stuffers to finish things off. So let's start with the Mercedes in the driveway. Gets people excited. Allen Robinson, number one receiver for whoever's playing quarterback for the Jets next year. Yeah, and I... I I've watched a lot of Bears football for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just feel like I've I've caught a lot of their games. I don't know if it's whether it's been the primetime games or just Red Zone Channel. Like I, I don't know. I just feel like I've seen more Bears football than I care to and more Bears football than I probably should within this last season. I can't stress how good Allen Robinson is. I have absolutely no idea why the Bears haven't paid this guy yet. I mean, he plays a position... That is so diva oriented. You know, he plays the position that is so look at me, let me celebrate the quote unquote, throw me the damn ball unquote to steal a line from Keyshawn Johnson. I mean, that is that is what the receiver position has been. It feels like it's been that way since I guess you can go back to Keyshawn and then you can talk about Terrell Owens and Randy Moss. Then you go into the Antonio Brown days and Chad Ochocinco slash Johnson. I mean, it's always been that way. And Allen Robinson is just a dude who goes out there and works. He's just a guy that goes out there and does his job. And there is so much to absolutely love about this guy. He's still young, 27 years old. He's got really good size at 6'2", 220. If you've watched any Bears games, you know this guy has tremendous hands and is an elite level route runner. I mean, the grab that he makes, that he makes looks easy, are out of this world. And then you talk about productivity because you can, you talk about receivers, right? Like sometimes they check all the boxes with size and youth, but they don't necessarily have the production or they have the production, but they're too old or they have the production, but they're kind of like the crazy divas like I was talking about. Not only does Robinson have the size and athleticism, not only does he have the good hands and route running, not only is he young, not only is he not a diva, but he is so ridiculously productive. 2015, and with terrible quarterback play, 2015 playing with Blake Bortles, who is absolute dog poo 80 catches 1400 yards and 14 touchdowns decides to sign with the Chicago Bears where he's paired with another steaming you know with in Mitch Trubisky last year 
Mitch Trub- with Mitch Trubisky last year, because his first year, in, first two years in Chicago, he's a little banged up and hurt. Sat, sat last year, 98 catches, 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns with Trubisky playing horrific football. This year, again, horrid quarterback play with Trubisky, horrid quarterback play with Nick Foles, 86 for 1,027 and six touchdowns already entering this season. You are talking about a guy in Allen Robinson that if you get him in this roster, you've got a good leader in the locker room. You've got a guy that is so hungry to win. You have a non-diva and you have a just weapon for a young quarterback because when the Jets draft Trevor Lawrence, when they draft Justin Fields, when they when they find their next quarterback that isn't Sam Darnold, you want to make his life easy. I know that's an alien concept and seems crazy considering what the Jets have done for Darnold the last three years, but you want to make his job easy. Allen Robinson is like the Mr. Fix-It for any offense because his catch radius is out of this world where you don't have to throw the perfect ball in order for him to make the catch. I have no idea what's going on outside my door. Like People are hammering on their horns like I live with Tim in Manhattan, but he's a Mr. Fix-It. Like that's what Allen Robinson is. Allen Robinson's a Mr. Fix-It weapon because you don't have to make the perfect throw for him to make the ball. As long as it's in his area, he's going to make the catch because he has this ridiculous catch radius to fall down, diving. Like watch his highlights this year. They're unreal. He has the route running to create the separation. And again, because of his personality, he's not a quote unquote, throw me the damn ball type player. So if Lawrence is going through his progressions, he's not going to take the field and be like, I have to get Allen his touches or he's going to go crazy. I have to get him the ball. He's the guy that if he is somehow a free agent and the Bears don't find him, the Jets should, and I don't usually say this, the Jets should, whatever the offer is out there, Add like three million to it. Just make sure whatever you have to do to get him to Florin Park, to get him as a weapon for Trevor Lawrence, whatever you got to do, you do it because he's a difference maker, man. And I've seen what he can do and he would just be so perfect. And you talk about him outside, Denzel Mims on the other side and Jamison Crowder in the slot. And then if somehow Chris Herndon can, can find that, you know, I'm no longer with Adam Gase, like boost that everyone seems to get after a year, that offensive weapons those that's a legit that's a legit receiving core for any quarterback let alone a rookie to develop and 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 amplify his play so he'd be like the lexus or mercedes in the driveway if you were going to get like a volkswagen in the driveway or another another great car in the driveway for christmas that's fantastic we're excited i guess the backups would be kenny galladay and juju smith schuster but robinson is he's the guy all right moving on to uh useful gifts now useful gifts doesn't mean inexpensive gifts you know like you get somebody a blender for christmas it can be a very (laughs) expensive blender so when we're talking about um useful players for the jets you think offensive line right and joe thuney is a guy who they probably got to break the bank a little bit there too who in the uh who in the mcmaster household is getting a blender I think yeah, I think you're trying to see. Trying I would see. never. I would I never. I love my. There. I love my ninja blender. It's very good. Brie, I have the ninja. Uh, not. But bullet, did it get you but... as excited as a car would? No, so definitely kind of not. But right. well, I've never gotten a car for Christmas, so I don't know what that feels like. Is, either, is Michael but... in the corner? Are you giving a little wink, 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 <laughs> nod, nod? <laughs> I've never gotten a car. I like my Michael. car. I like my drive? car. Where you drive? A Hyundai Sonata. Oh, Bree's got an Elantra. Bree drives the Elantra. I love my mom. You posted the uh, the interior of Marissa's car on the uh, yeah. Twitter last week. So, Oh, that's right. I did it for a second. I was like, that's what the hell is that with Marissa's car? I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, yeah, that's right. When we FaceTimed her. Uh, real quick before we go on to Tooney, because I, I agree 100%. But uh, you mentioned Juju as like the yeah. backup receiver thing. I like Kenny Gall. I don't think Kenny Galladay is going to be. I don't think he hits free agency. I think Alan, I don't think Kenny Galladay. Corey Davis, I like a lot from the Titans. But 
Juju, there's something about him that earlier this year I was like, go get Juju. Like he's great. I'm I'm pulling back a little bit on that one. And I just think that there's some maturity issues with Juju. Obviously, you see like he's so obsessed with like the TikTok now, like where he's doing the dancing at midfield. And I know he had that one wildly productive season with the Steelers when he was with Antonio Brown. He was hurt the next year. He hasn't been amazing this year. I mean, there's just I think he's going to get a ridiculous amount of money. And the other thing with the Steelers is that very rarely do does Pittsburgh let top-tier guys go. They do everything in their power to keep the guys that they know are going to to make a difference. Like that's why Mike Wallace had so many great years with the Steelers. They had no problem letting him go. Le'Veon Bell, they brought they got everything cut out of him, let him go. Antonio Brown traded him away. Like they don't a lot of times when people leave Pittsburgh, they're not necessarily better when they leave as when they were in Pittsburgh. And Juju would be one that I know he's the name. I know, you know, the the USC connection with Darnold was a big thing that I personally talked about before. I know people are going to be like, oh, Juju, Juju, Juju. I mm, He's one that I would, I would honestly stay away from unless the cost was perfect. I would put Allen Robinson above him, Kenny Galladay above him, and even Corey Davis above him. Juju is just one that that would scare me uh, quite a bit. You mentioned Tooney, though, as like another one, as a blender. And I think that he would absolutely, I mean, look. Shake things up. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Golf clap. Yeah. Golf clap. Well done. Uh, <laughs> he is like, look, the Jets, I can't stress this enough. And I, I know this firsthand. The Jets were willing to back up the Brinks truck for, for Joe last year. Like if Joe was in free agency, he was the Jets' number one target. You know, uh, Conklin, who the, the Browns ended up signing, was a guy, oh, the Jets are going to target him. Jets had discussions, weren't willing to go overboard on a deal. Uh, Graham Glasgow, who ended up, I forget I forget where he ended up signing, a guy who the Jets were interested, not willing to back up the, Brink, the Brinks truck. Tooney is a guy they're willing to, they're, they want to go get him. I mean, he is, you think about him, he's the perfect Joe Douglas player. I mean, if Joe sat down and went with his notebook and was like, all right, here's my ideal guy. Bang, 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 bang. Tooney checks all the boxes. I mean, he's ridiculously reliable. I mean, I think the guy's missed like one game in his career. He's absurd. He was drafted by the Patriots. They said you're a starter, and he's basically been a starter ever since. He's coming from a winning culture in New England. I mean, all that team does is win. That team got away, got rid of the best quarterback to ever play. And they're still, I mean, they're not obviously anywhere near as good as they were, but they are in the playoff discussion. He's, he's a winner. He's versatile with his ability to play left guard, right guard, and center. And I think the only thing he can't really play is tackle. But again, you have an in, a guy who can play everything on the inside. Reliable, versatile, comes from a winning culture, and just a good football player. I mean, he is somebody that Douglas wants. And if he is there in free eight, look, and, and the other thing too is the Patriots knew the Jets were willing to, to go out and get Tooney. They also knew that if Tooney didn't sign with the Jets, he was going to go sign with the Dolphins. So what did Bill Belichick do? He's like, all right, well, I don't want the two teams in the division to get any better. So I'm going to slap him with the franchise tag. We've got the funds to do it because Tom Brady is leaving. We've got the the money that it's not going to hurt us for what we want to do. So I'll hit him with the franchise tag and I'll keep him here. That way the Dolphins don't get better. The Dolphins had to go sign Eric Flowers to a ridiculous contract in order to plug it. And the Jets pivoted to Greg Van Roten. So the Patriots kind of did what Bill Belichick does, and he and he gave them the the you know they tagged him. He wasn't able to get out there, but the expectation from what I've heard is that that's not going to happen this year. There there's no thought that he's going to get franchise tagged. The belief is that he will be in free agency this year. He's obviously going to have a ton of suitors because he's a hell of a player. But he is the guy that that Douglas wants. Like he's the guy that if he's there, 
I would fully, fully, fully expect Joe Douglas to go out there and, and, and make every effort to sign this guy again. Reliable, productive, versatile, and the guy knows how to win. And in your story, you have some other guys that, that fit into that. Not quite at Tooney's level, but other guys below that. So people should check that out as well. All right, next category is fun toys, right? So I guess like PS5 for for the holidays, that sort of thing. Um, maybe a new phone. I don't know. But uh, in this category, I've put the basically the edge pass rusher, right? The guy that isn't necessarily the the standard that you need to turn around a franchise and start winning again, but boy, it's nice to have it. Um, Bud Dupree, Matt Judon kind of fit into that spot. Yeah. And Judon's another one. He's a a Joe Douglas type player. I mean, he's not, he's not the sexy sack guy. I mean, he's never had more than 10 sacks in a season and barring something ridiculous, these final three weeks, he's not going to have 10 sacks again this year. Um, But he's just productive. He's a good player. He's like a, Judon to me is like a, a a rich man's Jordan Jenkins, you know, like he's that kind of a player where he's going to be stout against the run. He's going to get sacks. He's going to be around the ball a lot. And he's somebody you want in the locker room. And he's somebody that I know, again, the Jets were interested in if he was going to hit free agency. The Ravens hit him with the franchise tag. Judon's probably going to hit free agency this year because of the fact the Ravens traded for Yannick Njoku and they obviously are going to have to pay one of them. And if you're going to give up the picks that they gave up to go get Yannick, you're probably not going to pay Judon. So Judon's going to hit free agency and he's somebody that the Jets go out there and get. I don't think he's going to command. I think, what does he have this year? It's like four, four something. I think he only has like four sacks this season. I mean, it's not, it's nothing absurd. He's got 20 and a half in his last 43 games. So he's one of those like productive down year this year. Um, He's not going to cost what Bud Dupree would. Uh, he would be somebody that I would I would keep an eye on, though, just because I think he's, again, another Joe Douglas guy where he's versatile, he's reliable, and he comes from a winning organization. And he's also somebody that Joe Douglas knows from, from being over there and Chad Alexander knows from being in that Ravens organization. Dupree, you said that Dupree would be like the the true pass rusher. Like, that's what Dupree is. He's not... Judon's more of like your, your good defender outside. He's going to play the run. You know, Dupree's more of like... He's the guy who can get the double-digit sacks. He'll be the guy who can get 12, 13, 14 sacks a season. And I think he would be a decent pick for the Jets to go out there and get him. I mean, he had 11 and a half sacks in 2019. He has eight and 11 games this year. Now, I'm sure he benefits from playing on the other side of TJ Watt. Now, with Dupree, I think he's there's a chance he hits free agency because there's a lot of mouths to feed on that on that Steelers roster right now. I mean, they, they've got a lot of guys that have reached the point where they're contracts are up and need to get paid namely Watt like Watt's up for his his contract I think they just paid Hargraves right I think or he's I know he's another guy that was up I'm pretty sure they ended up paying him so I don't know what the Steelers financial situation is going to be if they are if they move on from Ben Roethlisberger or Roethlisberger retires that obviously can free up a ton of money because they'll be able to draft a quarterback or or trade for Sam or something like that and they'd be able to get him there but if they ride with Roethlisberger again if they've got to pay Watt I don't know how you pay Watt and Dupree. So if he hits free agency, he's an option. The other one, honestly, that I would not sleep on in any way, shape, or form, Hassan Reddick, the Cardinal. I mean, I know anyone who watched the Giants game last week saw the guy had, you know, what was it, like four sacks or some crazy number like that and three forced fumbles, defensive rookie of the year. He's a guy that when he was coming out of Temple, I actually remember interviewing him because when he was when he was drafted was the year that the NFL draft was held held in Philadelphia. And so the NFL draft every year does this play 60 event where all of the players at the draft location, like go and they like visit a children's hospital or something like that. For this one, they went to chop 
And I went there as a media. And the cool thing about a media, uh, the media aspect of that event is you get to talk to all these guys. And I remember talking to Reddick and just coming away and being like, that dude's wildly impressive. Like just as a person, like the way he spoke, the way that he was uh, describing his time in college, how he evolved as a person. I was like, man, that guy, that guy is something, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's an impressive player. When the Cardinals draft him, I was like, I kind of want to follow his career. His biggest issue is that he's been inside linebacker, outside linebacker, 43 outside linebacker, inside linebacker. Then he's been out here. He's been like, they haven't ever played him in his position. And so the first three, four years of his career, he wasn't very productive. This year is kind of like a last stitch. Okay, we're not picking up your fifth year option. We're going to see what you're going to, we're going to move him to outside linebacker and see what he does. When he was coming out of Temple, that was what he was supposed to play in the NFL. He was supposed to be a 34 outside linebacker. He's got 10 sacks this season already. Like first year as an outside linebacker, 10 sacks tearing the the the, the cover off the ball. I mean, the guy the guy can play when he's allowed to rush the passer. He's kind of like that. I, I honestly, when I look at Hassan Reddick, I think he would be the perfect player next to Quinnen Williams. Like that's where you have Quinnen Williams as a 34 defensive end, eating up blocks, just fighting through physical guy. You put Reddick next to him and you got to pick your poison and you can't pick both. And if he hits free agency, I think the Jets should absolutely pursue him because he's not going to cost as much as Dupree would. He's absolutely not going to cost as much as uh, Judon would. And I think he would actually give the Jets more of the player that they need. Still young, more of a speed rusher would be a perfect compliment to uh, to Quinn and Williams. And he would be the guy that honestly, I, w- I would go out there at the edge rushing position. Now, where I view him is in similar light to what Shaq Barrett was for the Buccaneers last year, where he enjoys that breakout season and then he gets hit with the franchise tag. So I don't know if Reddick's actually going to be there, but if Reddick is, I would actually prefer him over both Dupree and Judon. All right, and then finally, the stocking stuffers. These are the guys that they're not going to break the bank, not going to be super expensive, but you need to fill out the roster with them for some important positions. Um, I'm going to go with, from your from your article, Connor, from some different positions, Marlon Mack as a running back kind of fits here, Trey Burton at tight end, Troy Hill at cornerback. These are all going to be kind of needs for this team, especially cornerback probably, but um, but these aren't guys that are going to to bring top dollar from your uh, – what the space that the Jets have to spend. Yeah, the corner the corner position that you kind of mentioned was it's it stinks for the Jets because they obviously have a dire need at corner. I mean, I think they kind of like maybe what they have in Bryce Hall, but again, he's a fifth round pick. What you get, you get. Bless Austin is a serviceable number two. Maybe if he develops, like he can be he can be a good guy when he's going up against an offense's number two receiver. Like that's kind of where Bless is best. Bryce Hall, you just don't really know necessarily what you have with him yet. I mean, you've seen some good, you've seen some bad. He's he's taken his lumps, but again, he hasn't really played much football because of that injury, so he's still kind of working his way back. They need a corner. They need a starting number one corner. There is not a starting number one corner in free agency. I mean, you're talking about basically guys that are better in the slot, which I guess the Jets could use if they ended up going... The uh, and they don't bring back uh, Brian Poole. They're going to need a uh, nickel corner so they can go that route. Uh, but there really isn't a like legit outside corner. Like there really isn't. And I think that bless Austin, or I think that that it's tough because I'm looking at them like the free agents that I would see. Where I'd be like, all right, the Jet, they're going to pay top dollar because they are the best of a weak class. And I don't think any of them are any better than than Bless Austin. So honestly, when it comes to corners, I think the Jets' best bet is using a second-round pick or that second first-round pick they have from the Seahawks on a corner because I just don't see it out there. 
the one player that you mentioned who I love for this team is Marlon Mack. I don't know if the Colts are going to be overly interested in re-signing him because they drafted Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they also have Nakeem Hines over there, who's a pretty good player. Marlon Mack's been ridiculously productive during his career. In fact, when the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor, I was like, what do they, they have Mack? They got Mack and Hines. What's the issue? I mean, this is a guy who in 2018 and 2019 ran for 1,999 yards and 17 touchdowns and averaged four and a half yards a carry. He's more of a downhill runner, more of a uh, physical back, but he's somebody who I think would be the ideal complement to, you get uh, LaMichael Piran year two, you get Marlon Mack, and you draft like a speedier guy in like the middle rounds or late rounds of the draft, and there's your three-headed rushing attack. The Jets are not going to go the the big money free agent signing. You know, they're not going to go get Aaron Jones. They're not going to do that again after they, they they wildly swung and missed with Le'Veon Bell. So I think you want to look at like the second tier players in the running back to fill out a rotation because they like what they have in Piran. You get Marlon Mack. That's a great one-two punch. The other guy, I wouldn't sleep on James White. Like again. This entire thing, like this, this is what the Jets offseason approach needs to be. It needs to be get yourself winners because this team has been marred in losing since the 2016 season. So you've got losing record 2016, losing record 2017, losing record 2018, losing record 2019, potentially 0 and 16 in 2020. That is five years, if my finger counting is correct, of just getting your face pounded in. And just losing, losing, losing. So you need guys that know how to win. You need guys that that understand how to win. And the way that you get guys that know how to win and get guys that learn how to win and, and get these things is you have to pluck them from winning cultures. And if you can go get James White, who I know he's going to be a little bit older. He's soon to be 29. He's coming off a down year. He's a tremendous receiving back. And if you can add him, which is the second part of this offseason philosophy, which is make life easy for Trevor Lawrence, you can find a way to get, okay, you sign... Marlon Mack, you pair him with Michael P. Ryan, and then you get a really good receiving weapon in James White. That's a really good pairing at the running back position. Then you have at the receiver spot, Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay with Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder. And then you get Chris Herndon coming back. You're creating an environment to cultivate the success of a young quarterback. And I think that's what you're trying to work towards. And that's why a lot of these other players we've talked about, Tim, about who they could sign. Joe Tooney, winning organization. Uh, Bud Dupree, winning organization, Hassan Reddick, winning organization lately in the Cardinals. Like get guys that don't know losing because they've never experienced losing and put them in your locker room. And suddenly you can elevate that play and you can get, you can create a winning culture because that's what the Jets have to do. And I like the idea of adding James White, even if he's a little older and, and maybe you can get him on a good deal like De- like the Giants when they signed Deion Lewis. Get the receiving weapon in there. Bring in Marlon Mack from the Colts, another winning organization. Get him to pair with Pirine and then you can get this ball rolling. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. 
tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And we are joined now by our special guest today, Dan Orlovsky, of course, former NFL quarterback, current ESPN NFL analyst, and a member of the 2008 Detroit Lions, one of those teams that has gone 0-16 before this Jets team. We're going to get to a lot of stuff with, with Dan, including Sam Darnold's progression and that sort of thing. But I'll start here, Dan. You've been through the 0-16 season, the Jets 0-13 right now. Do you see any similarities between that team that you were on the inside of and this one that you're viewing from the outside? Oh, man, how much time we got? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think that, you know, like one of the things that stood out actually after I left Detroit in that experience was, you know, you look back and you go like, how did that happen? Like, why did it ever get to that place? And, uh, you, you know, what I realized was there was a run like a run probably over the course of six or so years of just bad drafts, you know, just drafts that didn't really hit, especially on those early picks, you know, and, and, and it just kind of beat up our organization. The second, third round picks never panned out. And so all of a sudden that spoke to like just the lack of the overall talent that was on our team. I remember the year after that. So 2009, there was one guy that was on our defense that was in the NFL left, you know? So like, we're talking, everybody was not playing football the year after. And so, you know, I think that's something you, if you, if you watch the Jets, there is a, a lack of talent just because over the, and I'm not talking Joe Douglas, but the years of, you know, missing on draft picks that have stood out. Um, I, I think that we were, uh, I, I think our coaches tried. Uh, I don't think we were well coached. You know, I think that they they did the best that they could and their effort was there. We just weren't very well coached. Um, and then the in inability to close games, you know, we just didn't have the guy, you know, the person to close a football game for some point. And at some point, and it just it seems like the Jets are like that as well a little bit, like they're just looking for a guy to be the closer and they just don't have that person. Um you know, and, and I'm, I'm at the end of the day, like you you look at um, the schedule and you go, where's the win going to come from? I remember looking at the schedule being like, all right, you know, where's it going to happen? You know, because you start thinking about it as players as well. And it becomes who's going to be the person to make the mistake that actually, you know, gives us another loss. And um, I can't say that the Jets are there, but I would imagine their players are having very similar thoughts. Yeah, so I was going to ask Dan too. Is is that you kind of mentioned? You know, the losses start piling up. Where is there going to be a win? I mean, for fans that are watching the Jets right now, they're full steam ahead, eyes focused. Trevor Lawrence, it's tanking. You know, just lose, lose, lose. That's all they want so they can get Trevor Lawrence. When you're a player though, engulfed in that situation, how do you erase the tanking thought? How do you how do you kind of tune that out when you're going through a season like this where the fans don't want you to win? Yeah. Uh, there's 1500 jobs like the one that they have in the world, you know, like there's 32 teams and every single thing that you do on a daily basis gets watched by your team. And Joe Douglas is making a determination of, are you worthy of being on our football team in March? Like forget making the roster next year. Are you worthy of me thinking that you should be a part of us 
moving forward. There's only 32 opportunities, you know? And so, you know, the, the, I often said this, like, you got to brainwash yourself, you know, to be like, and, and take the circumstance out of it and just be like, I got to go do my job as good as I can, not just the performance on the field, but how I handle myself, how I conduct myself, the preparation that I show, you know, like you got to go handle yourself and also realize that, you know, your tape, you guys have all probably heard this, your tape is your resume and there's 31 other teams that are going to watch this tape and um, to watch how you perform and, and you never know who is watching. And so you try to, you know, it takes away the, the, the theory or the belief that team, 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 team. And you certainly have that on your mind, but there's also the thought process of like, I got to do as well as I can uh, to make sure that I have the opportunity to play in the NFL next year. You, uh, Dan, you and I have talked about this. I don't even know how many times over the last three years with Sam. I, I know you've been one of his his biggest fans. You were one of the people that, uh, to Samini, your, your uh, co-worker over there at ESPN, where you had coined the, the magical sloppiness term, which I think is kind of like the the perfect way to describe some of Sam's wild plays that he makes. And and the whole time we've kind of been waiting for like him to take that next step, talking to you about it. When's it going to come? Is it going to come? Is this the year? And I think what's been the most alarming aspect of this season has been how all of the progress that Sam showed as a rookie, especially his final month, the steps forward he took in year two, they're all kind of gone, you know, like he's, he's taken steps back in, in not, not even just statistically, but you watch him play and he looks like a different player for not the right aspect. It's not because he can't play. So when you look at him, what, what do you think has gone wrong with Sam? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I, I, I say this all the time. Um, playing really good quarterback in the NFL is like making a great movie. You know, like you don't make great movies because there's one actor who does an awesome job or it's a good script or the setting is good. Like to make a great movie, it takes great writing and great producing and great directing and an outstanding you know, lead actor, actress performance, and then five, six, seven great uh, supporting cast performances. And the setting's got to be great. And it, so like the the steps back for Sam and, and kind of where he is right now is like, he's, he's trying to do, he's trying to make Shawshank Redemption. And all he is, is Tim Robbins. Like that's, <laughs> he doesn't have Morgan Freeman. You know, he, he, he doesn't have the writing. He doesn't have the warden, you know? And so, you know, I think that, you know, I'd say that when you look at Sam right now, you go, are you any better than you came out of USC? And you could probably make the argument that, that the answer is no, he's status quo. Then you have to ask why. Is it because Sam's physical traits diminished? No. Is it because he's not smart enough to play the position? No. Is it because... Um, he never fixed the thing that was a flaw of his, you know, with that, that panicky type moment two times a game. And you could sit here and say, yeah, like Sam hasn't gotten rid of that. Well, again, that, that leads to another question of why. Well, has he, he, he never plays with the lead, you know, so like he's, he's won very little football games. And I always, I try to get people to understand, like Sam Donald didn't go to USC because he was lazy. 
He's Sam Darnold went to USC because he's a hyper competitive dude, incredibly competitive. And at some point, you just figure out, you think to yourself, like, I'm going to do whatever to win a game. And it forces you to make decisions that you normally wouldn't if you weren't under that pressure. And so I'm not trying to take anything, you know, trying to trying to um, take responsibility away from Sam's performance. I just try to sometimes get people to, to look at it a little bit differently other than Sam Darnold stinks and look at how everything that's around him impacts his performance, impacts his decision-making, impacts how good of a player he has been since he's came into the NFL. I think the one thing that, that I think about with Sam is that, is that like you said, I mean, the, the final month of his rookie season, that, that play didn't, didn't go away. I mean, he's still got that somewhere within him, but there have been situations across the NFL uh, throughout NFL history where teams because of how poorly they've either coached their quarterbacks because of how poorly they've surrounded their quarterbacks with talent they've kind of broken them in a way where they've done so much damage to them that it's almost been irreparable I mean I don't know if it's exactly the same situation because it was more that he just got the the crap beat out of him for so many years in Houston but it was like David Carr you know he's a guy who had a ton of talent took so many sacks that he just was never the same player when he went to San Francisco and all those other spots Um, with Sam have you seen it's again i don't know how much jet film you're i mean you're you're national right now so i don't know how much time you're spending breaking down jets <laughs> film but have you seen anything that would make you a little nervous that when sam does go to another team when he gets another opportunity that the damage the jets have done to him is just almost you know they've, they've kind of ruined them yeah i mean i just think uh, I, I first of all i've watched every snap um, it's, you know, it's my job for every team. Sometimes the games are like, man, I cannot believe I'm watching this in the fourth quarter with seven minutes to go, <laughs> but you know, I've, I've got to do it. Um, you know, I think the treetop view is like naturally, yes, there's concern because again, you, you, you there, this was a kid that for all the awesome stuff that he had in his game, he had that, like, you know, those, again, those two plays a game that you go, okay, how, how are you going to get rid of that? And he hasn't put in the spin been put in a position where it's really allowed for that to be kind of um it's, it's allowed for that to be driven out of his game because he's had to play in so much chaos and he's had to play in so much panic and he's had to play in so much deficit um and so you go naturally you start thinking like all right this is three years and I was actually having a, an in-depth conversation with someone who's really close to Sam two days ago um who's going to be a big part of what happens for Sam in the future? And he asked me a couple questions that I found really interesting. Um, he said, you know, what's the number one thing that you'd think Sam needs to do to attack this off season? And I said, I don't think it's anything physical, you know, like you're, Sam is going to work on things, throwing feet, all that stuff. I think if someone needs is going to need to spend time with Sam and figure out how much, self-doubt has crept in to him as a player how much belief he still has in his skill set because it's at, at some point when you're getting beat up and failing the way he has and his team has those become very 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 real things and I think that's going to be an important part for him is you know where is he when he comes to thinking am I still the top three pick that I was three years ago I also told him it, it you don't need to find a fit for Sam Darnold, you need to find a place where Sam can go excel. You know, where is he going to excel? And 
what coaching staff and style and because he's only gonna get one more shot likely so what scheme is going to allow him to excel and so you know I think those are really important things for Sam moving forward and so I've I've said this for a long time you know probably two or three years about Sam like I, I don't think anyone could really gauge what he is and what he can be you know because of the situation that he's placed been placed in I do know this the person that I spoke to the other day said he's the most mentally tough kid yeah. he's ever been around and he's been in the the business that he's in for 30 years or something so he's been or 20 years so like a very mentally tough kid um and that's going to be needed for him moving forward Two more quick ones, Dan. Uh, uh, obviously, I think when you mentioned the right situation, to me, the first one that pops in my head is Pittsburgh. That, that if Ben Roethlisberger decides to move on, or even if Pittsburgh's just thinking about, all right, let's get someone in here to learn under Ben for a year, and then when Ben retires, he'll take over. I think that'd be a great situation for Sam. Obviously, the Colts are, are one of the more stable organizations ever since they've had Peyton and things like that. And Frank Wright's a tremendous quarterbacks coach, or a, a co- coach of the quarterbacks, obviously their head coach. Do you see any other situations that, that pop up that you'd be like, you know what, that might be a good fit for Sam? Yeah, I mean, I think that San Francisco. I think San yeah. Francisco is the, the ideal fit for a lot of quarterbacks that might be on the market. <laughs> I just know Kyle, and, and it's such a quarterback-friendly offense. I mean, if you look at some of the offenses that are humming right now in the NFL, they all come from the same tree. You know, like Kyle, uh, Matt LaFleur, Arthur Smith, Kevin Stefanski, like they, they all come from the same tree. And um, I'm a big believer in that offense. As long as the person calling it, you know, continues to build off of it and add to it. So, you know, I think San Francisco, just because the way they play their offense, Sam's ability to be on the move on a consistent basis. I think that uh, he can make the special throws, but also every quarterback needs the layups. And that's what, you know, Kyle gets and Matt LaFleur gets for a guy like Roger. So I think San Francisco is an ideal situation. Two young, really, really good receivers. I also believe the Colts, you know, Frank has got such a good mind. Um, If you watch the Colts play, like, tell me the last time we saw a Colts receiver catch a ball standing still. It just doesn't happen. Like, guys are always on the move, always running. And it's a big belief. I'm a big believer in doing that for a quarterback. I don't. I'm not super high on Pittsburgh, to be honest. Um, okay. I think organizationally makes a lot of sense. I just don't love their offense. Like, their offense right okay. now is, hey, quarterback, they don't do any play-action pass. Their offensive line has gotten old. Um, it's catch the ball and throw, like, a slant right now where we're just going to throw deep balls. Um, and I just don't think that's very friendly to quarterbacks. I don't think it sets them up for success. Um, I'd be fascinated to where Arthur Smith goes if he gets a head coaching opportunity. I think that's a really, really healthy scheme to be a part of. Um, so I think there's going to be some really important options for him, yeah. Last one for you, Dan. We've talked about Sam, the current quarterback of the Jets. We just wanted to get your take on um, the possible future quarterback of the Jets. That is Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't know how much you've been able to see his you know, film this year at Clemson, but what are your thoughts on Lawrence and, and how he'll translate to the NFL? Yeah, I've called two of Trevor's games this year. I called two or three last year, so I've had him a good fair amount. I've watched all of his snaps this year. He's absolutely incredible. Um, Physically, (laughs) anything that you want uh, out of your quarterback, he's got. You know, he's a a big-time, powerful athlete, 
powerful arm, you know, kind of trust. The, the, the thing that'll blow people away is how big he is. When you, I remember standing next to him in the national championship game last year, and I was like, yo, oh my gosh, this is a giant. <laughs> um, and, and just a powerful arm. Uh, you know, he's got a great natural throwing motion, accurate thrower of the football, great touch that's developed really the, the, from this last sort of this year he's developed touch in the throw which is awesome very bright understands protections you know I, I sat with him this year and I asked him some questions um and I just this is where it went like oh my gosh this kid for me was I, I did the national championship last year and I walked away going he's got to figure out anticipation like he's been so talented you know he's so talented that he hasn't really needed it I used to say this about Matthew Stafford you know, these guys are just so talented. They don't need um, anticipation. They, they, they got a rocket on their shoulder. And I walked away going, all right, LSU defense, good defense. You got exposed a little bit. Like, you got to bring anticipation to your game. So I had him this year, and I said, hey, Trevor, like, what did you walk away from the national championship thinking about your game personally? What, what, would you, what did you find out about yourself? And this is the answer that blew my mind. He said, I was getting away with things in the season that I knew was going to catch up with me. And it did in that game. And I just was like, dude, for you to be that self-aware and to be that like uh, honest, you know, and, and, um, and the ability and the confidence in yourself to say that kind of really took me back. He was like, I knew I was bouncing in the pocket and that, you know, affected my accuracy. I knew I wasn't trusting my protection and leaving clean pockets. And that allowed that, that left big plays in the field for offense that I wasn't making. And then I knew I was waiting for receivers to get open instead of trusting what my eyes were telling me. And I was like, I, in that moment, I was like, dude, I'm so impressed with the, um, the intangible things. And so we had a really cool conversation about where his growth has been. And he's been so focused on where he is now. And, and, uh, you know, trying to strive to be as good as he can. And, and he's been so focused on trying to play clean football, not perfect football, but clean football. And, and um, he's going to be a special, special player. Again, we all know asterisk if he handled the right way, um, but he's, he's a special physical, um, physical talent, but I think his mental uh, awareness and acumen will be just as impressive. You're gonna have Jet fans drooling with that one, man. So I, I gotta ask, like you're you're all over ESPN. Every every time I turn on ESPN, I see you. You're calling college games. You're a husband. You're a father. Do you sleep? Is that is that something that's, that's worked into it at all? Yeah, you know what, dude? I'm one of those weird people that really don't like sleep. I don't nap. <laughs> um, I always, you know, my my father really early on, and you know, kind of hit me with the work ethic thing, and it's been a calling card of mine, and so. Uh, I think there's a little ego involved in it too. Like, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to allow somebody else to figure out something that I, I want to do. And so I don't sleep much. Also, my wife and I have nine-year-old triplets. We haven't slept in, in, in 10 years. So uh, I don't sleep much, but after the Super Bowl, like I, I will be, I will be gone for an extended period of time hitting a little white ball somewhere. <laughs> Well, Dan, we appreciate in that very busy schedule you chiseling out a little bit of time for us. I know Jets fans will appreciate it too, especially that Trevor Lawrence answer. Uh, they will love that. So thanks for taking some time for us here on the Can't Wait podcast. You got it. Thanks, guys.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, that was really good stuff from Dan Orlovsky. And I actually didn't realize, Connor, how much he had seen Trevor Lawrence, that he's actually done a couple of his games. And and we know if you're at the game, you just get such a better look at the quarterback, I think. And he's had these conversations with Lawrence as well over the last couple of years as his progressions have happened. That's what stood out the most to me was just that kind of insight that we haven't necessarily heard. Yeah, Dan, Dan's the man. I mean, yeah. I, I can't – I honestly, I can't stress that enough. I remember – I remember, like, he obviously I knew him when he was a player. Like, not knew him personally, but from cover, like watching the NFL, covering the NFL. Like, you know, you knew who Dan Orlovsky was. I think that I remember like coming across Dan, the NFL analyst, when he uh, he used to do kind of like what Brian Baldinger would do, which was you know like Baldy does like his whole like NFL breakdowns and like this that and like you know looks at this and he looks at that and he would do like his whole he would basically hold his cell phone up to like a the all twenty two and break it down. Dan would do that, but for quarterback play. And the way that if you've played quarterback before, if you've coached quarterback before, if you've been an offensive coordinator, you just, you know the game at such a different level. And Dan's ability to take his basically rocket science, or as as Adam Gase apparently likes to say, scientific rockets. If you take that knowledge and then transfer it into being able to explain it in layman's terms to everyone else. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And Dan and I used to do uh film breakdowns of Sam. I used to do it with Bruce Arians when, before he started coaching again for the bucks. And then I did it with, uh, with uh, Dan a couple of times where I'd send him like clips of Sam and he would break it down for me. Just listening to him talk. It's, it's such a fascinating way. And, and to watch his career grow where literally you can't turn on ESPN and not see his, not see his face on there. It's really cool, and and he's one of the best in the business, and all of us are significantly more intelligent having listened to, to him for those uh, last 20 minutes or so. I mean, he really is great. It's like the opposite of Billy Madison. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get on to our picks uh, before we wrap things up for this one. Connor, are you doing your picks live again? I am, yeah. um, I'm sticking with it. I think I went one and two last week doing it, right? So I'm... Um, you're still yeah, in we last were... place, so that's all that matters. Thanks, Marissa. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So after a perfect 9-0 week collectively biased two weeks ago, we were 3-6 and six last week. So time to pick things up. Um, I'll start things off, then Marissa you can go. Connor can go last as he tries to figure it out. Uh, I'm going to take the Browns minus three and a half at the Giants. I think the Browns need to bounce back big time. They're going on the road, but um, you know the Giants, I still think from week to week, we really don't know what you're going to get. So I'll take the Browns minus three and a half. Uh, The Patriots plus two and a half at Miami. This just feels like one of those games where after losing last week, if the Patriots are going to hang on to any hope of the playoffs, they they need this win at Miami. Now, of all the places in the AFC East where they've struggled kind of over the years, it's been at Miami. Even when the Dolphins have been bad, they've struggled down there. But for some reason, I think they come through with this one. Um, and then finally, back on the Seahawks bandwagon that we've kind of ridden collectively, I think, as a group all season long, I'll take them minus four at Washington. So actually three road teams for me this week, two favorites and an underdog. Marissa? 
So I'm going to go Bills minus six versus the Broncos. And that game is actually tomorrow. So we have some Saturday football this week. It should be pretty interesting. Um, And then in the AFC South, the Titans and Colts are really fighting for that top spot in the division. So, and the Titans playing the Lions this week with no Matt Stafford. So I'm going to go Titans minus 10 and a half. And then (laughs) I made these picks like 30 seconds ago as well. So my last pick is going to be 49ers minus three versus the Cowboys. <laughs> you guys had 20 minutes when Dan Orlovsky was talking and nice. doing an interview that we did hours okay. ago. I had like the whole control set up here of like were, playing that interview. Yeah. You, you don't want to touch the computer. Dan is I a very busy man. So when we got him this morning, super early, we, you know, had to record Especially the interview. Wait till we get that so new, that's my defense for why my. Wait till we get that new program Marissa's learning right now. Yeah. We're gonna be able to have. We're gonna be able to have tickers. We're gonna have nameplates below us. Special effects. Oh, I can't wait. I can't. I can't wait to make. Oh my. Oh my goodness. I can't wait. And obviously, I have nothing to do with it. It's all Marissa has to Hunter learn everything. Thinks I have Marissa has to put it into action. I mean, I have no life. Like I really don't have a life. But like Connor really like never wants me to sleep. Just so everybody knows. But all right, just let's like hear Dan Orlovsky. Last place, Connor. God damn it! That's cruel. Hey, I won the I won the league last year. So when we we hand out our champions, last cup, year's last year. You're in last. I'm gonna get a trophy. Right now, I'm gonna get us a trophy now, and we'll we'll have like okay. the new plate every year for our picks champion. Like I said, at least we we got this going through till 2022, and and as long as we don't burn out Marissa, we're gonna uh, we'll have it even longer. We're very. I, close. I said though, Marissa goes, we go. That's that's the rule. We're not we're not doing the show without her. We're making um, Marissa take a two week vacation when the season ends. Yeah, it's probably going to be when this day I take my vacation will probably be the day that the Jets hire somebody. Or... We're like, hey, we're going to need you on a, on a flight to Malibu. And we're like, hey. No, I'm not going <laughs> we anywhere. We need you to come gonna, back in. I got a, a off season with Netflix and the couch and, you know. just That's sometimes it. the best days off. That's the yeah. best day. I know Brie has those. Like every day after a three-day shift, she's like, I'm doing a nothing day. And if the house isn't yeah. clean, you're dead. <laughs> um, yeah, so my three picks I'm going to go with here is the first one I like a lot is Kansas shit. Kansas. Can- <laughs> that was a, that was a mouth typo. Kansas city, not shitty at the saints, uh, favored by three. I know it's in new Orleans, but playing in new Orleans doesn't really matter when there's no fans in the stands. Uh, I think drew Brees might play this week. I know that's what people are talking about. I don't really care. You talk about Pat Mahomes indoors on turf. Take them. Take them in the points. I think Kansas City is going to win that one by well more than three. I like that line a lot. Uh, other one I like, too, is Arizona minus six uh, at home against the Eagles. That line's probably a lot shorter because of the way that um, uh, uh, Hurts, Jalen Hurts, played last week. I'll be honest. Like, there's such a dramatic change in quarterback style from Carson Wentz to Jalen Hurts. that, And the fact that there was no preseason film on Hurts and there was really only a couple plays a game leading into this one in Jalen Hurts that you really couldn't say, like, this is what their offense is going to look like with them. You now have a full four quarters, a full 60 minutes of film on Jalen Hurts. The Cardinals are going to be able to build a defense now with a general idea of what they're going to get. So I think this is going to be a really big test. And also... Hurts in the second half looked a lot different than Hurts in the first half. And and I think that that's going to favor Arizona, where they could win this one by two touchdowns because the Eagles just aren't a very good team. Uh, the other one I like a lot, too, is the Patriots uh, given one, plus one, on the road against the Dolphins. Uh, I got Belichick's- plus two and a half. I'm willing to give you that if you want. Okay. I don't know where mm-hmm. I saw that. but Yeah, I it's probably early. The lines, it's probably flipping. A lot of people yeah. are probably going to the Patriots now, and the line's just changing a lot because that's what it is right now. It's plus one. So. Uh, I like the Patriots. I, I think that Bill Belichick's going to have something for Flores. I mean, he's the one who taught him everything he knows. So I, I think that, that that's going to come back down. And also, Tua really hasn't looked that great. 
Like, I mean, nope. Like, they're winning games because they're basically a really well-coached and good defensive team. But at no point have the page or have the Dolphins been like, man, Tua looks great. Like, he'll make a couple good throws, but I mean, he's, he looks like a rookie. He's not like Herbert. He's not like Joe Burrow with the Bengals. Like, Tua looks like a rookie. And I think the Patriots are going to uh, gonna expose him pretty good. So I'll take the Chiefs minus three, Car- uh, Cardinals minus six, and the Patriots plus one. All right, that is going to do it for us. We'll be back on Monday to recap the Jets' latest trip out west to take on the Rams. We'll see how that one goes. There is still time to get in on a great deal here at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait podcast. Right now, you can still get gift a subscription, get a subscription. Basically, you buy a subscription for somebody else. You get one for yourself for free. So if you're looking for a subscription, help us out. Get somebody else one as well. Connor's on Twitter at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M. McMaster, and Marissa is at Marissa underscore Morris. That's going to do it for us. Have a great weekend, everyone.